Praise God, praise God. Welcome to the morning service of the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Dr. B.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Church, where we are committed to loving God, loving all people, and changing the world in order to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing us into your homes, into your personal spaces, so we can encourage your heart and inspire and inform your mind to help you continue your journey to becoming the best that you can possibly be for Jesus Christ. Listen, wherever you are, I want you to stand wherever you are. I don't, I don't care where you are. Man, if you are at Bedroom Baptist and you are still fellowshipping with Deacon Sheets and Sister Pillow, listen, get up out of your bed. Let's make a joyful noise to the Lord wherever you are and give God the praise. Amen. Our scripture reading, 1 Chronicles chapter 16, beginning at verse 8. Second, First Chronicles 16, beginning at verse 8. Here is the reading of the word of the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done and his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. Man, we are just grateful and thankful to the Lord for God allowing our moments to roll on just a little while longer. Woke us up with a reasonable portion of health and sense a mind stayed on him. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we give you glory. 
we give you honor, we magnify you right now, and I pray, God, that our worship will be acceptable in your place. As this worship experience goes forth, may it facilitate others to worship you, not just for an occasion or an event, but for a lifestyle. Bless those both near and far, locally, nationally, and internationally, in Houston, in this state, in this country, and around the world, all of those who are watching. We cover them in believing prayer, and we thank you for the opportunity to reach them. May the songs that are sung, the word that is preached, the prayers that are prayed, may you be glorified, may your people be edified, and may the devil be horrified by what you do. We ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Let all of God's people say amen. Stand up wherever you are. Give God some praise. Wave your hand. Thank God for where you are right now as we worship the Lord together and that will be facilitated by our praise and worship ministry. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the great I am worthy to be praised. His name is to be honored, reverenced, how we love you, God. And we give you glory. We thank you there is none like you. Oh, great and mighty are you, Lord, forever we will sing. Great and mighty are you, Lord, our great and matchless King. Great and mighty are you, Lord, forever we will sing. Great and mighty are you, Lord. Our great and matchless King. Great and mighty are you, Lord. Forever, forever we will sing. Great.
Can you clap your hands, everybody, and give our great God a great praise? Hallelujah. Listen, we may not be able to be together in one place, but the beauty of this is, and God is so amazing that wherever we are, he is. So I want you to declare that Jesus is here. Everything I need is here. Hallelujah. Real simple song. Sing it along with us wherever you are. It goes like this. Jesus is here. Everything I need is here. Jesus is here. sing that with us today. Jesus is here, say. Jesus is here. Everything I need. Everything I need. Is here. Is here. Somebody may need peace in your mind this morning. Come on, declare and say, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Everything I need. right here you may need healing in your body or someone you love maybe maybe needs healing say Jesus is here everything I need yes is right here somebody may need provision in your life today whatever the need is declare that Jesus is here Everything I need, hallelujah, is right here. Come on, one more time with the confidence that God is going to answer your prayer. Say, Jesus is here. Everything I need is here. Now come on everybody, let's take a moment and worship the Lord in this place. Say, we worship you, we worship you. We lift our hands to worship you. Jesus, we worship you. The supplier of every need you are. Jehovah Tyra, you are. Jehovah Shalom, you are. Jehovah Nisi, you are. Jehovah Shama, we worship Hallelujah. We worship you. Come on, everybody, just lift your hands. Lift your hands and lift your voice and sing one more time. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. You know, the good news for you, wherever you are worshiping right now, is Jesus is with you right now. The Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. This is one of the immutable truths of God. And he is omnipresent. He lives inside of you. You don't have to wait for him to come and see about you. If you are a believer, he lives inside of you. And contrary to popular opinion, he is not relegated or limited to a specific space. You don't have to come to a building. He lives inside of you. And we're grateful and thankful for the Lord showing us that on today. Come on, somebody give God some praise. Let's thank God for that today. Man, just a couple of things I want to share with you. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to our children's ministry and our youth ministry for the tremendous job that they've been doing and ministering virtually our virtual children's church, our virtual youth ministry. Um, they have been serving families throughout this pandemic. And I'm grateful to God, both for Dr. Misha Birkins, along with Minister Justin Pouncil. I'm grateful to God to Minister Chris Johnson for the work that he's doing. And I also want to let the Good Hope Church family know that uh, Minister Chris Johnson has been promoted. He will be serving now as assistant to the pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. And we're certainly grateful and thankful for the work that he has been putting in behind the scenes. And so we certainly want to pray for him and uh, ask God to continue to bless him as he continues to grow and develop in his own ministry skin and find his own ministry voice. Uh, Minister Mark Sloan, Pastor Sloan has done a tremendous job running the food pantry. Our food pantry has served hundreds of families every week, and uh, we reached a milestone this past week. We set a new record for the number of families that we served. The growth of the food pantry since we began has been over 2,000%, 2,000% growth in terms of the families that we have been serving grateful for the partnership that we have with the food bank along with other entities like Kroger's. Uh, we're establishing a, a relationship with HEB and we're just thankful to the Lord that we're able to help families who are in need. Um, we have members who have stepped up and said, Pastor, we're going to pay for this because we don't get the food free. We pay for it, uh, but we get it at a significant discount, but it allows us to serve more and more families in need. And we're grateful to God for that. And I'm grateful for the philosophy and the logistical know-how of the Houston Food Bank because you have probably been seeing on the news other lines for food and people have been in line for five, six hours, seven hours, sometimes only to get to the front of the line and find out that they ran out of food. 
the Houston Food Bank has very intentionally created a decentralized system so that you can't go to just one place and get food, but there are multiple places, both big and small, those who are out in open areas and those that are in the inner city and accessible to those who have a need inside the loop as well. We're one of those service spots and I'm grateful for that partnership and we thank God for them that we can help address some of the food insecurities and food needs that people have, especially where you have food deserts. Also want to let you know, man, this Friday, oh my God, this Friday, this Friday, May the 1st, 7 o'clock, Laughter in Place. Man, we've got an exciting program planned with none other than comedian Jason Earls. Jason Earls has been at our church several times. Great brother in the Lord, man. I love that dude. And he has such a uh, contagious laugh himself, but has a commitment to providing non-toxic, family-friendly fun and so I, I just made a decision. I said, you know what? We, we need to laugh our way through some of this COVID stuff. So he is going to be performing for us. It will be accessible virtually. Now, let me tell you how you're going to get the pass, because you're going to need a pass to get into the room to see him. And there's only one way you're going to be able to get it. Good Hope members, listen, you've got to download the I Am Hope app. If you haven't downloaded the app, you're not going to get it because that's how we're going to distribute it. Not on our website, on our app. So you have to go to your app store, uh, go to your Google Play store, download the I Am Hope app, and you will see the logo there. And uh, it's a burgundy background, white writing. You will see the app there for the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church of Houston, Texas. And when you download that app, that's how you will get your information regarding tickets for Friday night, May the 1st. It's going to be a great family time. Everybody can get on their own device or you can call them all in the room together. And we're going to have a great night of laughter, uh, of fun, faith, fellowship. It's just going to be a great night. And I hope you will join us on Friday night. Praise team is going to minister in song. They've got an A and B selection that they're going to give us. Old school church, right? A and B selection. Following that, we're going to have our word for today. I'm picking back up a message that I did last month and I didn't complete it. And I wanted to treat it almost like a little series. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm 46 and get ready for what God has to say to you. Many times when we hear a message, we hear it the first time, but that doesn't mean we have it. Kind of like your children. You know, you tell them something and you tell them over and over again and you think, okay, I know you understand it. And then they turn right around and they do the same thing you told them not to do. Well, many times with God, he experiences the same thing with us, where he gives us counsel, gives us advice, or give us a command and we hear it, but we don't keep doing it. And so I want to take a different portion of that pericope and remind you of the truth of God's word that will sustain you through trying times. All right. Put your hands together. Wave your hands. Give God some praise as the praise team comes and ministers in song. Amen. How many of you all believe that our God is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? So come on in your, in your kitchen, in your bed, wherever you are. Come on. We're going to celebrate Jesus today. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Come on. Clap your hands. 
prostrate fall and count him Lord of all, ruler and the king, master of everything. Let's join with angels and let's crown him king of kings. Yes, you are. Oh, oh. Straight fall and crown him Lord of all, ruler and the king, master of everything. Let's join with angels and let's crown him king of kings. Yes, you are.
bless your name, God. He shall reign forevermore. Thank you, Lord. God, we love you. We adore you. We bless your holy name. Glory to God. What shall we say to these things? There's still cancer and so much disease. What shall we say to these things? People are hurting. So many questions, but still one answer. If God be There's so much violence, it's getting hard to believe, oh my, what shall we say to these things, so many people hurting, with brokenness
that I could do and no words that I could say no price no price that I could pay nothing but the blood of Jesus we're singing Thank you, praise team. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Lord. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our strength and you are our redeemer. Speak through me so that your people will hear from you. And in hearing from you, help us to be more than just hearers of your word. Help us to be doers as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been blessed and privileged to travel quite extensively. And 
one of my favorite trips to make is my trips uh, to Israel. I love going to Israel. I've been there several times. And, and there's several things that I've learned about going to Israel. For, first of all, um, I love going to sites that I've been to in the past because every time I go, I see and learn something different. I also love going to Israel because on every trip that I've been on, I've gone to some places that I hadn't been before, gone to some museums that I hadn't seen before, gone to some areas that I hadn't gone to before. And there's some things that you can expect in Israel when you go to the Holy Land. You can expect some long days. Uh, there will be some days that you get up before the sun comes up and you won't get back to the hotel to rest until the sun has gone down. Uh, there will be some days with a lot of walking, um, at least two days, 10, 12, 15,000 steps, depending on how fast you walk. And there's one more thing that's going to happen if you go for an extended period of time. And normally we go for uh, 10 to 12 days, you will experience the Sabbath. Now, if you have never experienced the Sabbath in a country that practices the Sabbath, you've missed a treat. Now, I have to tell you, the first time I went, it, it, it caught me off guard because I, I forgot all about the Sabbath. I really did. And so I get there and we show up and we arrive on a Friday. We left on a Thursday. We arrived on that Friday. And, and when we arrived, uh, stores were closed. Shops were closed. Restaurants were closed. And I'm like, what the heck is going on, man? There's nothing open. And then our God said, it's Shabbat. It's Sabbath. And I was like, wow. They celebrate the Sabbath whether you are a visitor or you are a resident. The Sabbath affects everybody. If you need to get something done on the Sabbath, you better get it done before the Sabbath starts. Whether it's ironing, cooking, whatever it is, right? There, there's no labor that is to be done, not approved by the law during the Sabbath. But, but I've got to tell you, the, the, the thing that really bothered me more than anything, I, I made a mistake. I made a mistake when I got to the hotel and I got on the first elevator that was open and I ended up walking on the Shabbat elevator. Now, if you've never been on the Shabbat elevator, here's how it works. For those of you who are non-Jews, right, they have elevators and you can get on and you get on the pressure button and it's cool. But the Shabbat elevator is preset to stop at every floor. Stops at every floor going up and it stops at every floor going down. Why? Because to press the elevator button and to activate electricity to take you to a specific floor is in violation of the Sabbath. That's too much effort and it releases too much energy. So you can't press your button. Matter of fact, nobody reaches over on the Shabbat elevator and presses the door close button. 
you just ride. It's, it's like a child got on the elevator and pressed every button going up and then got on and pressed every button coming down. And, and, and I got to tell you, it was frustrating for me because I, I, I didn't go to Israel to rest. I, I didn't go to celebrate the Sabbath. I went to see stuff, right? And it was as if the Holy Spirit said, now let me show you something that you may not have come to see, but you needed to see. The power of the Sabbath, the power of rest. And my brothers and sisters, in the midst of this pandemic, many of us have been forced to rest in a way that we had never planned before. Your world has been shut down. You have been inconvenienced. You have been separated from places. You have been separated from things. You have been separated from processes. And in essence, God has said to the entire world, he has pressed the pause button and said, stop. Here's the question. In the midst of stopping, what are you seeing? The first time I got on that Shabbat elevator, I saw inconvenience. But I later realized God was trying to teach me something. God was trying to teach me how to rest in him. Today, I want to continue a message that we started and we've turned this into a little mini series. I want to talk to you about the power in your praise, the power in your praise. Our foundational text, I'm sorry, the power in your pause. Lord have mercy. The power in your pause. And, and it's interesting because typically when we talk about this, we'll slip up and say the power in your praise. But, but I want you to know that in this 46th division of Psalms, God is not only encouraging you in your praise, but God wants to encourage you in your pause. God wants you to understand the power in your pause. He wants you to know that in your pausing, you have access to divine power. Now, there's a word that is present in the 46th division of Psalms, depending on the translation that you are looking at. It's the word selah, selah. It's an interesting word. Some translations translate that word and you'll see the word interlude there. And there are some translations that don't even put it in. And the reason is because the word is not a word to be declared. It is a word that is given to give direction. It's a word that is not to be spoken or said. It is a word that literally gives you an action to be obeyed. So you have probably heard preachers or pastors say that word, selah, maybe they pronounce this selah, that that word is not to be read. And it's correct. Why? Because the Psalms is the hymn book of Israel. These were words that were put to music and they were sung. And that word, selah, or interlude, is a word that gives direction. And here's basically what it means. Pause. Stop for a moment. 
Let what has been said linger. Before you move on to something else, look back on and realize the power of what has been sung, what has been spoken. Selah. Chill. Don't get too, too much in a hurry. Last time we spoke about this in part one, we look at Psalm 46 verses one through three. And we talk to you from the idea that you need to pause and realize God is your refuge and strength. You need to realize God is your refuge and strength. Verse 1, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. In the midst of this pandemic, there's been a lot of talk around whether or not church buildings should be open for corporate worship. And there have been those who have said uh, to go to church during this pandemic to meet together and fellowship with other believers to run our services as normal would be an act and display of faith in God. There are those who said, listen, the church shouldn't shut down. No, everybody should go to church. This is a time if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. But my brothers and sisters, whatever your position is, here's what I want you to know. My ultimate refuge and strength is not in a building. My ultimate refuge and strength is in God. And my refuge and strength in God transfers to wherever I am as a child of God. It's not in a building that defines who I am. It's not at home that defines who I am. It's my personal relationship with God that defines who I am and that he is my refuge and my strength. But today I want to move to verse 4 through 7. You, you see, there's three times, three times that the word selah is put in as a direction in Psalm 46, after verse 3, after verse 7, and after verse 11. And I believe God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, led the writers to put those interludes there, those pauses there, because of the powerful pregnant truths that are presented in each pericope of the scripture that is outlined by the first three verses, verses four through seven and verses eight through 11. That God has a powerful message that is declared and he says, hey, before you go any further, stop, hit the pause button and recognize that the power in your pause is not just because you stop, but because you take the time to reflect on what has just been read, what has just been sung, what has just been said. Watch what he says. He says to each of us, number one on today, very, very important. 
Don't miss it. You need to pause and realize God is your source of joy and your fortress. You need to pause and realize God is your source of joy and your fortress. Now, I told you, verse 1, God is your refuge and your strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. And for somebody who has been seeking refuge and strength from an alternative source, God said, no, let me stop your world. Let me remove who you thought you had to depend on. Let me remove what you thought you had to depend on. And let me show you who your true refuge and who your true strength is. Let me let you know without any shadow of a doubt that I am a very present help in the time of trouble. But for somebody, you may have heard that message. You may have read that uh, a verse. You may have heard those words and you were good for a minute. But guess what you did? You got going again. You got ripping again. You got running again. And watch this. Here's what God has taught me in the midst of this pandemic. You don't have to be moving fast physically to move fast in your spirit and in your mind. Right? You can be sitting still and your spirit and your mind is still racing. There's still anxiety there. And God says, wait a minute, hold up. I'm trying to get you to slow down, Lord Jesus. I'm trying to get you to slow down physically so you can slow down mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. I need you to slow down. And hear what I'm trying to say to you. I need you to know that I am your refuge and your strength. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I need you to know that I am your source of joy and your fortress. How, how many of us, let's be honest, have developed over the years alternative coping mechanisms other than God in terms of the places that we go, the people that we deal with, the, de the things that we do. We've created all of these alternative coping mechanisms and they are gone. Now, how do you cope? How do you cope? If you go to happy hour when you're sad and then there's no more happy hour, how do you cope? How do you cope when you can't see the people on the slide that you used to sleep? Or hang out with the people that you shouldn't have been hanging out with, but you used to do it anyway. You, you, know, you, you know exactly what I'm saying. How do you cope? God says, if you are my child, I need you to bring, I need you to bring it back. I need you to come back home. I need you to see who I am. Look at verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. He says, don't, don't, don't go no further. Stop. Now, here's the imagery. The scene shifts into the city of Jerusalem. And inside the city of Jerusalem, the people have been confined because the Assyrian army has camped around them. If you have ever been to Jerusalem, 
you will see a distinction between the various old cities that have been built and then the city of Jerusalem as we know it today. But the walls of the old city of Jerusalem still stand. The gate that Jesus marched into, that triumphant entry on that Palm Sunday, you can see that gate. It still stands. And here's what's interesting. When they got inside of the city and they were surrounded by their enemies, one of the things that the enemy wanted to do was to shut off any access they had to life-giving resources. Even if they had food inside because Jerusalem was not built next to a river or next to a spring, they would have at least have to come out to get water. But watch what the psalmist says. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Water was a precious commodity in Palestine, especially in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem had an underground water system. Lord have mercy. There was an underground water system that connected the spring of Gihon in Kidron with the pool of Siloam within the city. So fresh water was always flowing and always available. Some of y'all missed it. The enemy is surrounding them thinking that they are going to keep them from getting to water. But there was a spring and there was a system and the water flowed into the city underground out of reach of the enemies who were surrounding the city. Some of y'all still missed it. Listen, the enemy was surrounding the city saying, we got you. But God was providing what they needed the most in the midst of the enemy surrounding them. There was an access to blessings that the children of Israel had that the enemy was not aware of. I wish I had time. Let me put a quarter in the meter and park here for a second. Because somebody, I need you to hear this this morning. Listen, your enemy may be surrounding you. Your enemy may think they have you. Your enemy may say, listen, we have them surrounded. There's no way they're going to be able to make it. But watch God move in a supernatural way by providing for you in a way that your enemy never expected and was unaware of. See, for somebody, God has had to do in this pandemic what he's always done, but you have not fully acknowledged. God has had to take you to a place where you have recognized the supernatural provisions that you have received. Not understanding that the provisions that you have received have always been supernaturally given. It's always been God. But the problem is, you were so busy doing your thing, you were so busy rushing and running that you never stopped to say, you know what? What I have, God gave me, and it has been supernaturally provided for me. So God said, maybe I need to let an enemy come around you. Maybe I need to let somebody surround you. Maybe I need to let you feel the pressure of what's going on 
So now you will recognize that what you have has come from me. See, the psalmist knew that God was in the midst of them. The psalmist knew that he was their river and provided them with the water of life. The psalmist knew that that metaphor was really speaking to a picture or image of the provisions of God that just like God could provide water for Israel surrounded by their enemy God can provide whatever you need when you are surrounded by your enemies Lord have mercy I'm gonna preach myself happy in here he says the holy habitation of the most high God is in the midst of her she shall not be moved God will help her when morning dawns The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts. The commander of the armies of the Lord is with us. That's who's with us. Not, Not just any lowercase g God. He says, no, the Lord, the commander of the armies of the Lord is with us. He is with us. He is with us. This is the ground of our assurance that the Lord is with us. And then look at verse 7. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Uh, That word fortress uh, speaks to a cliff. It's, It's the image of a cliff that is unassailable and unreachable by our enemies. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a retreat beyond the reach of our foes. They can't get to us. And, and God says, I am with you. Now, now, I need to help somebody here today. I need to help somebody here today as the Lord brings this to my remembrance. I need to help somebody understand the faithfulness of God. See, most of us miss the celebratory moments in life around the faithfulness of God being evidenced and displayed in our lives because we so narrowly define what we want from God and how we want it from God that we miss the faithfulness of God when he doesn't give us what we want the way we want it. We have in our minds, this is how God is going to provide. God, this is what I need you to do. And if God does it any other way, or God does it at any other time, and it's not how I prescribed it, and I had to go through some things in order to get there, I don't credit God with being faithful. I'll give you an example. So, one of the students at seminary when I was there complained about God not being faithful while he was in school. He went to Prof. Howard Hendricks. Dr. Howard Hendricks was one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, and he went to Prof. Hendricks, and he said he was really struggling, uh, dealing with frustration and almost an anger with God. And when Prof. asked him why, he said, because, because I expected God to be faithful, and God hasn't been faithful. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I I had set up my my seminary career so that I had saved enough money so I wouldn't have to work so I could take a full load. And in taking a full load, I would be able to finish in four years and then get on 
the ministry field. He said, but things have happened. That's not going to allow me to do that. And he said, well, explain. He said, well, I had put aside money so that I could work on seminary. I could go to seminary full time. I wouldn't have to work. I could take a draft from what I had saved. He said, but, but we had some illnesses in the family and those medical bills took away from what I had set aside. So then because the medical bills took away from what had been set aside, I couldn't do what I had planned to do. I expected God to be faithful, but, but I had to now pay these medical bills. He said, and then I had to get a job. And so I had to find a job and I found a job, but in finding a job, that job precluded me from going to school full time. So now instead of going full time, as I had planned, I have to go part time. So here I am now planning to go full time and get back on the ministry field. And God has not been faithful because my family got sick when they, when, when they didn't have to get sick. And then I had to pay these medical bills and then I had to go get a job in order to replenish and take care of my family. And so now I have to take less courses and now it's going to delay my graduation. And, and he had a problem because he said God wasn't faithful. And Prof. Hendricks said, God has been faithful. You have missed his faithfulness because you misdefined what faithfulness is. God's faithfulness is not tied to you getting to where you want to be, the way you want it to be, the way you want it to be, how you think it should be. God's faithfulness is, am I going to do what I said do? Uh, Prof. Hendricks said to him, he said, listen, he said, God was faithful because God provided the funds that you had. And God was faithful because the money that you needed to pay the medical bills in order for your family member to get treated, God had provided. And God was faithful because when you needed a job to replenish the funds and to take care of your family because you lost the funds, God was faithful. And when you had to move from being a full-time student to a part-time student and you had to alter your plan and you might have to graduate a little later, but guess what? God is still faithful. It's kind of like Jesus. You remember that story of Jesus? Storm was raging. He's down in the bottom of the boat sleep. And the disciples, man, they are tripping up on the deck. I mean, they're throwing stuff overboard. They don't know what's going on. And finally they come down and say, Master, don't you care that we're about to perish? And Jesus comes up and he says, peace be still. And he says, why is it that you have no faith? That statement was based on what Jesus had already said. Jesus had already told them, let us go to the other side. There was a plural pronoun there, us, which means I'm going to go to the other side and you going with me. Let's go to the other side. And then Jesus goes down in the bottom of the ship and goes to sleep. And basically, here's what Jesus says. If I said, let's go to the other side, the storm may come. I never said a storm wouldn't come. I just told you, let's go to the other side. We may have to go through some storms, but that's all right. Because I said, let us go to the other side. So if you really had faith in what I said, instead of being on the top of the ship, worrying, you'd be down in the bottom of the ship, sleep with me. And there comes a point in time when God has to check us 
because we too narrowly define his faithfulness in our lives. How does he provide? See, there's a whole lot of stuff that God is doing. God is checking a whole lot of folk. God is checking a whole lot of people on their love for money. God is checking a whole lot of people on their pride. You hear people saying, you know, I've never had to stand in line before. I never had to do this before. I've never been in this situation before. God is checking some people. God is giving some people, listen carefully, the ability now to not sympathize but empathize. See, they're standing next to some folk in line to get food from the food bank that they would have looked at and said, they lazy. They need to just go out there and get a job. Hmm. Now you out of a job. Now you may have a better understanding that everybody is not lazy. Everybody's not trying to scam the system. And it's easier to work than play those games. Listen to what God says. I am your fortress. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is a communal psalm of consolation. Throughout this psalm, you see our, we, us being used. Because he's talking about the nation. But what God wants you to understand is what is true for the nation corporately should be true for you personally. That God wants you to know he is your source of joy and he is your fortress. I, I, I use that word joy because it's, it's, it's very powerful in that joy is not rooted in what's happening around you. It's not rooted in your circumstances. It, it's, it's rooted in who you know and whose you are. And, and what God says is that that river of water, uh, water is, is typically used as a picture of, of the spirit of God. He says that that river of water that flowed into Jerusalem that could not be stopped by the enemy, that the enemy was unaware of, that the enemy could do nothing about, that's the way joy is in the believer's life. We sing that song, this joy I have, the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. Well, here's what I've learned. The world may not be able to take it but the believer sure can give it away and many times we fail to rejoice because God is not doing it the way we thought he should do it but God has a way see joy moves independent of the presence of your enemies joy sustains you regardless of what's going on around you Isaiah 12, verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Stop right there. He says, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. That joy becomes a tool by which... You learn how to celebrate God no matter what's going on. And in the background is this directive, Selah. Don't, don't move too fast. 
Your, your joy is rooted in who God is, what God has done, and what God is doing right now. Joy is never tied to what's happening, but who's in charge of every situation. And I need somebody to know whatever it is you're going through right now, it has not caught God off guard. God is in charge. God knows what's going on. But remember what I told you. Every situation in life is intended to teach you one, two, or three things. To teach you who you are, to teach you who other people are, and to teach you ultimately who God is. So how are you doing in your lessons? In the midst of this pandemic, how are you doing in learning your lessons about who you are? How are you doing in learning your lessons about who other people are? And ultimately, how are you doing in learning your lessons about who God is? The 30th division of Psalms, verse 5, says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. I was in a hotel scheduled to check out and decided that I wanted to stay an extra day. Some things had come up. I had some business to take care of and so I changed my flight and I called down to the front desk and said, this is uh, Dr. Cofield. I'm scheduled to check out today, um, but some things have come out, come up, and I want to delay my checkout for a day. I want to stay for an extra day. And the lady said to me, she said, let me check on something and I'll call you back. And so she called back and said, there was a room available, but I had to move out of that room. And I said, well, I've got everything set up in this room. I, I like this room. She said, yes, sir, I understand that, but, but here's the problem. We need you to move from that room to another room because this room, the room that you're in, has been pre-reserved for somebody else, and they're checking in today. So we need you to move from that room. You don't have to check out of the hotel, but you need to move from that room to another room. And if you need assistance, we'll send somebody up to help you move your things, but we need you to move from that room to another room. And I thought about this passage, that when joy is about to check in, weeping may have been there all night, and weeping may say, you know what, I want to stay an extra day. But thanks be to God, when joy comes, joy has already pre-reserved that space. And so when joy comes, weeping has got to move because joy is showing up the next day. And there's somebody in here right now, I don't care what you're going through, somebody who's watching, I don't care what you're going through, you need to know that God is your source of joy and your fortress. If you are wondering how you're going to make it through, stop focusing on what you don't have and focus on who you have. Focus on who's on your side, and that's none other than God himself. Selah. Stop right there. 
Think about it. And I dare you, if you think about it long enough, you'll start shouting right there at that pause. You'll start giving God glory right there at that pause. You won't need any help. You don't need anybody else around you. All you got to do is think about what God has done in your life. Think about how God has brought you. Think about how God is bringing you right now. There's power in your pause. If you would learn to stop and say, you know what? Look at what God has done. Look at what God is doing. And when I think about what he has done and what he's doing, I get some encouragement for what I need him to do. Father, we thank you for this day. And we pray now that as we bless you and give you glory, we thank you for the truth that you are with us. We thank you for the truth and knowing that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for reminding us today to stop, to pause. And realize that you have never left us nor forsaken us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are my refuge. Sing, Elder. In you I'll trust. You are my fortress in you. I won't dread the terror by night, for angels are all around me, so
I will not fear. Somebody who's watching today, I need you to be encouraged. I've learned in life, you don't have to be alone to feel lonely. You don't have to be in isolation to feel like you're all by yourself. But the good news is if you know God, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're not by yourself. God says, remember, I'm in your midst. Remember, I am by your side. Remember, I am your source of joy. Remember, I am your fortress. I am your fortress. I am your protector. And I can hear the Spirit of God saying to somebody right now and reminding you, he didn't start keeping you when when the pandemic came. He was keeping you before. Furloughed from your job, unemployed. God's been keeping me. No, he was keeping you when you were employed. Before you were furloughed, God's been keeping you. You, you. you mean you just now realizing that God's keeping you? You you just figured that out? God said, who do you think has been keeping you the whole while? Who's been providing for you? Who's been making a way for you? It's been nobody but the Lord. There are two kinds of people in the world. People who need Jesus and people who know him. People who need him need to know him. People who know him need to grow in him. If you are watching right now and you need the Lord, I want to help you come to know him. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than standing in a car makes you a garage. Uh, standing in a garage makes you a car. Like it, it really doesn't matter. The place is not near as important as God being in your heart. And, and that's, I think, the problem for a lot of people because they define their faith by coming to church and how many times they go to church and, and they don't realize that it's not about coming to church, it's about being the church. It's about being salt and light. It's about being who God has created you to be. If you're listening right now, and you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your life. If I ask you to rate your relationship with God on a scale of one to 10, 10 being, I know that I know I've been born again. No question. I believe by faith. If I died right now, I'm going to heaven. That's 10. One is, if I die, I don't know whether I'm going to heaven or hell, or you know what? I'm going straight to hell. I'm not passing go. I'm not collecting $200, I'm going straight to hell. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate your relationship with the Lord? Give yourself a number. I'm not asking you to ask anybody else to grade. You grade yourself on a scale of 1 to 10. Where are you? You got your number. 
Okay, now listen to me carefully. If you're anything other than a 10, I want you to pray this prayer with me. See, the Bible says that we should know that we have eternal life. And that knowledge, that belief that we have eternal life is rooted in our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not about whether or not you live Christian or you look Christian, right? It's really about have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart as Savior and Lord? It's not about whether or not you've been baptized. Somebody, you think your salvation is tied to baptism. You went down a dry center and came up a wet center. Because we believe in a believer's baptism. We believe that you must repent, believe, and be baptized. But there's no efficacy in the act of baptism. It is tied to you confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says when you make that confession and you make that profession, you believe it in your heart, you will be saved. Not perfect, saved. And I want you to join me in praying this prayer. Some call it the sinner's prayer. Some call it the prayer of salvation. It is said and repeated in different words and different phrases. But at the end of the day, it is an act of faith that every individual must do for themselves. And it's an act that says, I am believing and accepting the finished work of Jesus on the cross for me. As I pray this prayer, I want you to repeat after me. I want to give you an opportunity to say this prayer for yourself. See, if you ask me my number, I'm a 10. I'm a 10. Not because I live a 10, but because I believe a 10. Not because I am perfect. No, no, no. It's because I believe in the perfect finished work of Jesus Christ on my behalf. And I've asked the Lord to come into my life and take up residence in my heart. Repeat after me. Dear Lord, I ask you right now, as humbly as I know how, to forgive me of all of my sins. I have fallen short and have lived in a way that is not pleasing in your sight. I confess with my mouth, Jesus, and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead to pay for my sins. I ask right now, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come into my heart and live inside of me. Save me that my life will be pleasing in your sight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer and you prayed it in your heart that you were saved. 
that you were saved. Now, I know what somebody is thinking. You're thinking, well, how can I be a Christian if I don't come to church? We can't go to church right now. Listen, find a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, Bible-practicing church somewhere. And until you can get out, you are welcome to stay with us here at the Good Hope Church. We would love to be able to nurture you and nourish you in the Word wherever you are, anywhere in the world. We have people who are watching us in 72 different countries around the world. So wherever you are, Thank you for watching, and I'm praying that God will bless you in a powerful, powerful way. Amen. Now listen, a couple of things we're going to do, and then we're going to let you go. First of all, don't forget to worship the Lord in giving. There's an opportunity for you to do that, and there are six different ways for you to worship the Lord in giving. As a matter of fact, we added another way, so we're going to get to that number of completion. We're going to get to that number seven by next week. Most of the ways that you can worship the Lord in giving are online, and I want to thank those of you who have been faithful in your giving and want to encourage those of you who are able to give and may not have been giving. Listen, the work that God has us to do is still going on. Our children's ministry, our youth ministry, working hard, our young adult ministry, working hard, our outreach ministry, working hard, our worship and fine arts ministry, working hard to provide for you this virtual worship experience. And, and I'm, I'm excited about what God is doing. And we're looking forward to going to even the next level. I've got some exciting things that we will be announcing over the next couple of weeks. And the things that I'm going to be announcing are not things that are just pandemic ministry. Um, these are ministries and things that we're going to continue to do even after all of the restrictions have been lifted and even after everybody starts going back to their churches because I believe God is giving us a unique glimpse into ministry opportunities that we have not taken advantage of, at least not most of us. And I'm looking forward to doing that. So I'm grateful to God for that. Also, don't forget, not only do I need you to worship the Lord in giving, make sure you download the I Am Hope app. Make sure you download the I Am Hope app. And you say, well, why should I download the app? Well, you should download the app so you can find out what's going on at Good Hope. Like May the 1st, 7 p.m., Laughter in place. The only way you're going to be able to get your ticket, your passcode, to come into the room to see Jason Earls and friends minister, laughter. Listen, the only way you're going to be able to get it is through the app. You got to download the app, baby. But I got to tell you, uh, he's got some special guests coming. And man, it, it's, it's going to be unbelievable. Unbelievable. I had a chance to talk to him this past week. And I mean, Jason had me rolling, had me laughing. We've had him here on several occasions and he has blessed us each time. And I'm looking forward to him being used by God to minister to us. Um, the, the Bible says that uh, the downtrodden spirit of a, of a man, of a woman is lifted when we make merry and laughter is medicinal. Uh, the things that laughter does. You, I don't know if you know this. Laughter facilitates healing. Doctors, doctors have done study and they said that there were people who took medicine. The medicine only took them so far. Matter of fact, they put some people on a laughter therapy. Like, in other words, they asked them what they enjoyed, what was funny to them. And they watched hours and hours of slapstick and, and comedy routines and, 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 
uh, comedy shows and comedic movies. And that laughter releases some positive things in your body in order to help your mind, your body, and your spirit. And so I want to encourage you. That's May the 1st, this Friday. Man, we're going to have a great time. You can't find out about it unless you download the app. So make sure you go to your app store or your Google Play store and download the I Am Hope app. It is a family-friendly, non-toxic comedy show. So the children can come. Everybody can come. And listen, there's no dress code. So you can dress like you want to dress and show up and let's have a great time, all right? Now, for those of you who thinking I'm trying to do a comedy show and then you're going to tweet, Pastor Cofield is opening up and, and he's going to have, mem- that was just a saying. It was like a joke, like no, some of y'all still don't get, it's virtual, all right? Make sure you download the app. We'll let you know when it's coming on and uh, give you your code and your passcode. Listen, I hope all hearts and minds are clear. Let me pronounce a blessing on you right now. For those of you who uh, may not know when you remain till the end of the service and you wait for the pastor to pronounce a blessing or the benediction, that's literally what benediction means. It's a blessing as you leave. And you don't ever want to leave before the blessing is pronounced. So let me pray and ask God's blessings upon you, all right? Father God, we thank you and bless you for this day. We thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the word of God that has gone forth. And God, I pray that it has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people so that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word as well. Bless us in our going out and our coming in. Bless us in the midst of this pandemic, God. Cover our homes, cover our households, cover us individually and corporately. And God, even where some are moving contrary to the doctors, I pray that your protective power would move and keep us so that we will be kept. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Listen, God is doing something wonderful in you, and I'm counting on seeing it on the other side of this pandemic. Matter of fact, don't wait till the other side. Let's see it now. All right? God bless you. God be with you. That's our prayer.